This is the Parkinson's Fight Club, a podcast dedicated to empowering and inspiring those living with Parkinson's disease. I'm your host, Jamie Bryson. Wow, so this is it, the first episode. I feel like it's been a long time coming. You'll hear more about the journey that brought us to this moment as we move forward. But during these first few episodes, um, we're going to tell that story. So hope you'll tune in with us. So I'm super excited to be here with my first guest, who happens to also be my wife. But first, I guess I should introduce myself since this, like, we don't know each other yet. So I'm Jamie Bryson, and I like long walks on the beach. (laughs) I knew you would laugh at that. I'm just kidding about that. I'm a father of three awesome boys, and shout out to my youngest, who is actually having his fifth birthday today. Um, The other two are 10, ages 10 and 13. Can you believe we have a teenager? No, it's it's hard to understand, honestly. It's crazy. <laughs> so I'm also a husband to a, my beautiful bride. She's my rock. She's my everything. Um, I also work full-time. I'm self-employed in the real estate industry. I'm a PhD dropout. <laughs> I have two master's degrees, which are not relevant to my line of work at all, which is fun. But we're helpful in life. So. And I also have the student loans to show for it. Um, I'm also an endurance athlete. I have competed in triathlons, including two full Ironmans and a bunch of 70.3s. Um, the bike is definitely my happy place. So that's where I like to be. And lately I've really been focusing on doing some mountain biking and gravel biking. And you guys will hear more about my journey um, and it, when it comes to endurance sports and how Parkinson's has affected that and how um, I'm pushing forward in spite of all of that. So I have young onset Parkinson's disease or YOPD as we call it. I was diagnosed in April of 2021 at the age of 38, just before I turned 39. Happy birthday. Yes. Happy birthday. I'm also a cancer survivor, which we will talk about as well. So now I have the distinguished pleasure of introducing my very first guest on the podcast. This right here sitting across from me is Christy, my wife. She is what holds our family together. She's the glue. She's the best mom to our boys. Um, She also works full time. Uh, somehow manages to keep it all together and somehow continues to look absolutely beautiful. Um, She's a registered nurse. She spent 15 years in the NICU, um, PTSD much on that. And uh, now, thankfully, she's working from home, working for the insurance company. She's still doing NICU case management, but not in the environment of uh, uh, ICU. So... A little bit less stress there. Um, And thankfully that happened before everything else that we're about to talk about happened. People a lot of times ask us, we both work from home. People a lot of times will ask us, um, did we start working from home because of the pandemic? 
but we were actually ahead of the curve on that one because both of us were already working from home before that happened. So, Yeah, and it's not often that a nurse gets to work from home. So I have an envied position by a lot of my former friends. Well, they're still my friends, but <laughs> former colleagues. Yeah, she she's totally hooked some people up with some, well, not hook, you know, you can't hook people up when, with the job necessarily like that, but she's definitely helped some people apply. Recruiting. And, I yeah. like to recruit. Because there's a lot Bring of people, people who want to that the job. the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm super excited to have Christy here for these first few episodes as she has experienced all of this with me. And I think her perspective will be great uh, for a lot of people, hopefully, in our audience who may not have Parkinson's, but who may be married to someone that has Parkinson's or maybe they're a, spa, a, a parent or a, a sibling or just a good friend. So, um, because the reality is, is that, you know, we don't go through this by ourselves, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. So, um, it'll be good to have you here to talk about what it was like for you. All right. So let's jump into this first episode. Um, tell me or tell us, how did it start? How did all of this start for us? What do you remember about uh, early spring of 2021? Well, um, thanks for that introduction, by the way. It's very nice, the compliments. Um, Yeah, so back in spring of 21, you know, we're still in a global pandemic, um, you know, still muddling through. We are fortunate enough to live in a place where our kids were back in school with some restrictions. So it was pretty rough there for a while, um, 2020, as it was for everyone with working from home and three kids at home and trying to do school at home. And so, yeah, so the background was kind of a baseline uh, layer of stress. Um, and then COVID, you know, obviously affecting some of our friends and uh, family members, specifically um, your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it was, it's about spring break, um, early end of February, early March. Um, your mom got really sick. I remember with COVID and was hospitalized. And at that point, you know, there, a lot of people were not winning, uh, the battle. There weren't, uh, treatments and therapeutics, um, readily available, you know, depending on where you lived in the country and, um, she's in another state. Um, so she was hospitalized and, um, you were really stressed, um, trying to figure out what was going on with her and, you know, from afar and on the phone and calling the nurse's station and, um, trying to get updates, third party updates from your stepdad was trying to get him to go to the emergency room because yeah, he, he was, was sick, sick too. Um, um, just from, from th- a thousand, couple thousand miles away, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I just um, remember pacing back and forth in the house, like, yeah, like was, I was going to wear a rut in the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It was intense, you know, all that time at home and, uh, thankfully we like each other. So <laughs> <laughs> all That's that time at home was, helpful. was, a, was a blessing, um, in disguise, but, you know, the stress level was like slowly ramping up. Um, and then, um, she was on the verge of, I think going to the ICU. Um, yeah, she was, she never made it to the ventilator, but she was on high flow cannula 
And, you know, first couple of days she was in the hospital, it was getting worse. And then you kind of wait for that moment where she planes kind of hits a plane and then starts to go back down. And luckily that did happen. And, you know, she ended up getting out of the hospital. She was there for about 10 days. Yeah, but we took a trip to um, uh, kind of a a local, well, not super local, six hours away. Four, five, well, six. everything in Texas is oh, yeah. six hours away. Texas so. is big, so <laughs> you got to drive everywhere. But um, went to a theme park. Um, you know, we had walked around. You know, running after kids, and then I remember that night we were in the hotel, and um, you started. Well, I remember. Yeah, even before that, I remember we were walking around this theme park, and uh, I'd been having a good bit of back trouble. Yeah, it was back just pain. from back pain just from all of my running and triathlons and stuff even though 2020 there were no races um, because everything was canceled also the first part of 2021 I was supposed to do a race that was canceled but I still you know tried to keep training and stuff and just had been having a good bit of pain in my back so um, I just remember walking around the theme park and my back was hurting and we sat down somewhere and I noticed that my leg was shaking and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I guess I don't remember that as much as I remember trying to go to bed at night. And it's like, why don't you stop? Like, I guess I thought when you're sitting down, it's like kind of nervous energy at first, you know, like yeah. how people kind of tap their foot, shake their leg. But when we like went to sleep that night, I was like, why can't you stop? Well, I mean, it started and, you know, I noticed I noticed that I didn't notice it when I was walking, mm-hmm. you know, but it was kind of like a resting tremor, I guess, where... I would sit down and and if I was still, it would start doing that. And of course, I didn't know if this was like a a temporary thing, a permanent thing. Like I had no idea, right? I just thought um, maybe my back was causing some problem with my leg and maybe a nerve was getting pinched or something. So I think what you're remembering is that we were in the bed trying to go to sleep and it was a problem. Like it was Mm -hmm. disruptive and we were like, okay, so this isn't going away. Yeah. 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 So... So, yeah, so then we ended up coming home and, you know, I think it was going on in the car on the way home. Um, Didn't really, I don't remember it really stopping, but movement was helping moving around. I don't, yeah, I don't have a lot of memory of that drive, but I do remember that we were, you know, like, hey, we need to get you in to see a a orthopedic specialist yeah, because we I mean, thought yeah. we were really like focused in on the back as being Maybe the culprit. You hurt your back. It must yeah. be that. And honestly, I didn't think like it was weird, but I didn't think too much of it because you have some weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> a lot of times. So, and plus being a nurse, you're like, well, eh, you know, you're not a one pound baby on a ventilator. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> your bone's it, not sticking out. You're okay. It definitely didn't seem emergent at the time. Um, so, so we got back from that trip, and I did get uh, an appointment to see an orthopedic, and I, and he walked in, and you weren't there with me, so because um, you were working, but I I sat sat there, and they, he came in and kind of looked at me. I think he had a student with him too, um, and he just kind of was looking at my leg, and he was like checking my reflexes and stuff, and just kind of looking, kind of like perplexed. And he looks at me and he goes, um, "This is not an orthopedic issue." And I just remember, like, my heart sank when he said that because I was like, oh, you know, like, 
okay, this is not good, you know? Well, I He's, think he said something about you need to see a neurologist. Yes, that's exactly, that was the next thing that he said was, I'm going to refer you to a neurologist. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go to a neurologist. Like it was, you know, freaked me out big time. Um, I don't know if you remember me calling you and telling you that and what, what went through your head. Yeah, I mean, I do, but I was thinking neurologist for a pension, like, I don't, you know, I thought surely it was some kind of injury, like being athletic and being active and, you know, that this is not, you know. Yeah. Well, as soon as I do, I do remember that as soon as I told you about it and we were like, we need to go see a neuro, the guy said, you know, he gave me a referral or whatever. And we thought, okay, well, okay, let's not wait. I think we said, let's not wait around for this neuro to call us. Let's be proactive and try to find an appointment somewhere yeah we live in kind of a big area a a big metro area so well it was a couple days and I remember that was on a Friday and then I remember on Sunday it's like it was just incessantly like like it would not stop yeah that was going to be the next thing I was going to bring up making you nervous and so that day is the day that I was started really kind of freaking out Mm -hmm. in my head you know just I started thinking I had a tumor in my brain. I was like, what is going on? And I was like, maybe this is an emergency. Maybe we need to go to the ER. And I actually have a video um, of that I took that day of my leg just to kind of show you what, what we were dealing with. So let me bring this up here. Um, if I hit, yeah. So that was that day. I love how there's kids' pajamas on the coffee table. Yeah, they just, <laughs> you know how they are. So that's kind of what I was dealing with. And um, I mean, that's that's a full, my full leg was shaking. And you can imagine that, like, that freaks you out. Like, what in the world is going on here? Um, what's wrong with me? Um, and so you ended up agreeing to take me to the ER. So we go to the ER. Um, and of course, everybody knows how fun that is. Well, yeah, and it was a Sunday, and, you know, I worked in hospitals for 15 years before uh, working in uh, insurance, and um, I knew of a facility that had a neuro um, ICU, and I thought, well, it's a weekend, so they might have a neuro on call because, you know, I mean, healthcare is what it is, and it's a process to get non-emergent treatment for, like, a neurology referral, so it can take weeks, months, you know, to get connected and all that kind of stuff, so... So, yeah, so we went over there on a Sunday. And um, and our goal was kind of like we need to get in front of a neuro. So we right. went to a place that we thought that would happen. Right. Yeah. And that did happen. It did happen, <laughs> yeah. And and so and so what happened, we get in there. Um, the ER doctor is like, man, this is, this is not something that I know anything about. Um, you know, he looked a little freaked out by it, I think. Yeah, he was— he was very concerned and yeah. like really honest and yeah. that this was not his uh, area of expertise and yeah. he was going to try to get a neuro on call to come yeah. see Yeah, so he's like, I'm going to go try to get a neuro that's uh, that's here to come see you. And But in the meantime, you know, they realized that I was kind of freaking out. Like I was, you know, obviously laying on the hospital bed with my legs shaking like crazy and Yes, I was stressed. <laughs> I was extremely stressed at that moment. 
And uh, so they gave me some Ativan and I believe something else yeah, too. Just some anti-anxiety. Yeah. May- some blood work. You know. Maybe some Valium or something. I don't remember exactly, but I do know that Ativan was one of them. Muscle relaxer, I think. Oh, okay. Ativan, yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Muscle relaxer. So so we waited a little bit and then in pops in this neurologist and she walks in the room and she looks at me for what, 30 seconds, a minute? Maybe. And she looks at me and she says, you have anxiety. Sir, you have anxiety. Yeah. And uh, we were just kind of like, uh. Yes, I have anxiety. uh, I mean, I have this uh, physiological problem going on that I'm concerned about because I don't know what it is. But I don't think that's the main issue here. And okay, so let's just be honest for a second. Like. We're not dumb. Like we we had been googling stuff. Like I had yeah. been on the internet and I had, and I had googled trimmer and resting trimmer. Resting yeah. trimmer and all of that and I kind of I was aware that there is a psychological issue where people can have tremors that are caused uh psychologically and I also knew that when you do have a tremor like that if you get distracted it'll stop. It goes away, yeah. And so that doctor did actually try to distract me. Do you remember that? Mhm. She, and I don't remember what she was doing. She was making me like look at something or, or count backwards oh, yeah. or something. She was making me do something to kind of not think about my leg. And um, guess what? It didn't work. It didn't stop. So, <laughs> so that's why I don't understand why she just had to proclaim to me that I just had anxiety. And so I said, okay, well, um, do I need to follow up with you or somebody else here in the neurology and she was like, yeah, yeah, you can follow up if you want to. Kind of like, meh, you know. Yeah, I mean, you have to think, like, when you go into the ER, like, there's a, they call it, like, treat him and street him for a reason, you know, so. <laughs> that sounds so terrible. Well, it's like they try to get people, like, you either in or you're out. You're, like, you're not going to be held up here very long unless it's our fault and we're keeping you here. But. And it was still COVID era, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so. There's all of that going and on, And also, too. like, a neurologist is looking for a reason to admit you, right? So, and you don't seem like whatever's going on with you is a reason in her mind that you need to be right. admitted for treatment. This, and, and that's true. And this can all be done outpatient. But, you know. It but just, I was just shocked that she didn't say 100% you need to follow up. She was just kind of like nonchalant Yeah, if you, if you want to. Yeah, but, sure, if you want to. But, you know, in between there, you're like, is there any way it could be Parkinson's? Did I say that? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. I mean, like I said, I had been on all over Dr. Google. And so. she said, no, there's absolutely no way this is Parkinson's. <laughs> Because I remember, like, leaving the parking lot. I remember being in the parking lot, right, walking to the car, and I was like, well, at least she said there's no way it could be Parkinson's. And you're like, eh. (laughs) One thing I don't remember, so we ended up getting an appointment with a neurologist, and I know that your mom was actually the one who ended up getting us that appointment. But did we have that appointment before the emergency room, or did we get that afterwards? No, afterwards, because you're like, I don't feel satisfied, like— I don't feel satisfied. Oh yeah, with I for sure knew I wanted to see somebody. <laughs> I I did not believe that lady for one second. Yeah, and so you know, this just goes back to like having to be your own healthcare advocate because you know we could have just taken what they said and be like, oh well, we need to be on. You know, it's been COVID. Your mom's been in the hospital. You've been really stressed. You probably do just have anxiety. You know, maybe well, you should get treated for anxiety and see what happens. Well, and if and if it was like a minor tremor, like like in my hand, like maybe my hand was shaking it a little bit. 
I, maybe that is what we would have done. But mm-hmm. like my leg was literally just like uncontrollably shaking. Well, and I do it have was to very say disruptive. that leg tremor is atypical of Parkinson's. You know, a lot of times it, it, it is not normally it, the, the presenting, presenting sign. Yeah. Yes. So normally which, it's like in the hands. Which first. we know that there were some other signs, which we'll talk about that I had that we were just kind of like but oblivious so, to. But. So all that is led to like a dismissive diagnosis is what I would call it. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, if they can't treat it, treat you and treat you and they can't admit you, then they don't like follow up outpatient if you want. So I want to say maybe a week went by-ish before I got to go and see this other neurologist that your mom had um, made the appointment with. And this is a person, this is a, a practice that kind of has multiple offices around the area. Yeah, it's like one doctor who in, goes to different locations to right. serve different communities. Yeah. And so the one that I ended up going to with the appointment that I got was in a facility that's not near the Dallas area. I mean, it's it's on the outskirts of Dallas um, in sort drive. of a more. And we live pretty far out. So. Yeah, it's a more rural area, I guess you would say. So, again, I ended up going to that appointment by myself because you just couldn't get off work. Um, and we we still didn't 100% know what we were dealing with, obviously. So, And it was important to me. I didn't want to wait until you could go. I just I wanted to go as soon as possible. Like I was just like, I don't care. You know, I, yeah, I'll go I by myself. Like, I don't you care. couldn't even get in with her. You were seeing the nurse practitioner. That's true, yeah. So my appointment was not with a doctor. It was with the nurse practitioner. So... So we'll tell that story real quick, and then um, we'll kind of wrap it up a little bit bef- and then introduce introduce what we're going to talk about in, in the next episode. But So I just remember um, I was got in my truck. I had, a, I had a new truck, a new red truck that I had just gotten in February. And it Valentine's probably, Day. It was his Valentine's Day present. Yeah, it was him. my ice storm present. <laughs> that I got a good deal because they weren't selling any cars because everyone was trapped in their house. Um, so anyway, um, I just remember driving and thinking, you know, this is kind of sad because I, I should be really enjoying this really nice truck. And I'm sitting here, you know, basically pondering my life, like, <laughs> like wondering what's going to happen to me. And so anyway, I got to the the place and I walked in like an older facility and I just remember walking into that waiting room and being like, Oh my God, I'm in a method methadone clinic. (laughs) Like I legit thought I was at a methadone clinic because, and I'm not trying to be mean or or rude or whatever, but this was a rough crowd. Yeah. And, and I was not, I was by far the youngest person in the room. And, you know, there were some people who were, you know, um, in wheelchairs and some people who were, you know, using walkers, people just couldn't get around very well. But I think most of them were there because it's a headache clinic, right? They were there to get their headache uh, shots or whatever. So, so I felt super uncomfortable sitting in there. I mean, the decor of the place looked like it hadn't been changed since 1975. (laughs) And I'm just like, what am I doing here? Um, And so I finally got called back and, um, you know, the nurse practitioner is looking at me. She's typing on her little computer, just you know, clicking away, you know, observing me and look, you know, asking me to move and do certain things. And she, at some point, she stops and looks up at me and she goes, um, "I'm just going to be honest. This is like more than what I can deal with, or what more than what I feel comfortable, you know, handling. So I'm going to go get the doctor 
and see if she can come in here with, and talk to you for a minute because I'm just, I feel like this is a little bit above me here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, in a way I felt good about that because I felt like, okay, cool. I get to see the doctor. Um, but in another way I was like, okay, uh, that's probably not a good thing. So the doctor comes in and she introduces herself and she calls herself a movement disorder specialist, which at the time I have no idea what that, what that means. But come, come to find out, that's a really good thing for people who have Parkinson's. And she special, she did say she specialized in Parkinson's, I believe, she told me. So she spent about five minutes with me um, doing various things with my arms and my legs and making me walk up and down the hall. Um, yeah, th- this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, this little quacker thing, this little, you know, and, and, um, you know, I would say five minutes tops went by and she goes, you have Parkinson's. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so gentle with the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, and if I'm being honest, I thought that was a pretty good possibility based on the research I had done. Um, But she's like, you know, I'm pretty sure you have Parkinson's, 99%, whatever she said, but we're going to do some tests to confirm. And so, you know, she ordered um, a CT, no, she ordered an MRI. And a DAT scan. And a DAT scan. And uh, she said, in the meantime, I'm going to give you this medication. I'm going to prescribe you some medication that should help with your tremor. And that medication was trihexafenidyl, which is a super weird name for a drug, but, and come to find out a very weird drug. Well, it's very antiquated. Yeah. It's not really used. She said the reason why she gave me that was because she didn't want it to interfere with the results of the DAT scan. She wanted to make sure that the DAT scan was, you know. Clean. Um, yeah. Where it was good. Given an accurate picture. So yeah. I will point out that, um, you know, with Parkinson's diagnosis, uh, which we found out later, that it's really clinical based. Um, like, so like your doctor's assessment, like what she said to you is that's pretty much how they are diagnosing, not diagnosing certain individuals. But the DAT scan is what, uh, you know, confirms it. But these scans are pretty pricey and some and hard to get. Um, like to a facility that actually does them, get them approved by insurance for medical necessity kind of thing. So there are a lot of barriers to getting that done. So a lot of times doctors shy away from even ordering those tests to confirm. So there's a lot of people who can end up in the, you know, gray area of the, you know, clinically it looks like this, but we're not confirmed. And, you know, thankfully because of your age, I think mainly she did, you know, push to get that done. So and thankfully, my wife works for the insurance company because I think that, you know, we have really good insurance, um, which is not true for a lot of a lot of people in the United States, unfortunately. But um, she, she said some other things during that um, appointment that I was kind of like, oh, duh, you know. So she talked about my um, – I, I, I had been having this weird issue with my left hand. So the tremor is my left leg, okay? Mm. I've been having some weird issues with my left hand for a while that I didn't know what it was. And I had kind of made up a story in my head about it because um, I had a lot of like arthritis issues for a bit. Um, just swimming a lot and triathlon can take its toll on your body. And 
So I was having shoulder pain. I was having wrist pain and different things. And I did have a, um, a doctor that was treating me for, um, uh, what's it called? The, the psoriatic, psoriatic arthritis. arthritis yeah. yeah. So I was on some medication for that, which helped with the pain on that stuff. But I still had this weird thing where my hand would contort itself. And like when I wasn't doing anything, like if I wasn't thinking about it, it would just kind of curl up. And um, it wasn't super overt, like it, you know. You know, I, I could, I could, as soon as I realized it was going on, I could straighten my hand out. Yeah, it wasn't like stuck. You know, or anything. It didn't get stuck yeah. like that. It was just kind of like it would do it on its own. And so I wasn't really that concerned about it. And I thought, well, maybe I just kind of got in the habit of doing something with my hand to to make it so that the pain from my wrist was better. Because, you know, sometimes if you've got a joint that hurts, if you hold it in a specific position, it can feel a little bit better. And so I just kind of said, oh, okay, well, that's probably what I was doing. And just like not, you know. Yeah, it hurts un- when I move like this, so don't move like that. <laughs> yeah, like like my subconscious was doing that, you know. But she's like, yeah, that's something called dystonia. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, got to get my phone out and <laughs> Google that word. Um And then um, she also, you know, she made me walk um, back and forth, like I mentioned in the hallway, and something that I had not noticed about myself at all, which was when she would do that, she would try to, like, make me think about something. So she would make me say my alphabet backwards or count backwards Mm -hmm. or something to try to occupy my brain Mm -hmm. to not think about walking. And when when I would do that up and down the hall, my right, my left arm would stop swinging, Mm-hmm. It would just like like stay there, stay mm-hmm. still, and and I also noticed that when she was pointing that out, that that's when my wrist would curl up too mm-hmm. when I was thinking about something else, and so I'm going, dang, like I had, I actually did have some stuff going on before this that, I mean, that had been going on for a while, I think. Um, yeah, but it was subtle, and sometimes you just you get used to the way people are or the way people walk yep. or like you know. And plus, you know, we have three kids and two jobs and, Well, you know. people have their quirks, right? And, yeah. And sometimes you, you just think, like, even with our son, you know, um, he's he's having to go see some specialists for some things that we're dealing with with him. And it's the same thing. Like, he's he's kind of had some little quirky things about him that we didn't necessarily think much of. But now we know that there actually could be an issue that needs to be addressed, Um and so I don't think that's super uncommon. I mean, I don't know what the average age or the average amount of time that goes by from when a person first ha- starts having Parkinson's symptoms to when they actually get diagnosed. But um, for me, it was potentially a really long time if you want to believe my current doctor, which we'll get into sometime in the future. But um, I mean, I had clinical depression uh, as long ago as 2007. So... Obviously, that's um, that's a Related, symptom yeah. of Parkinson's, or it can be. Mm-hmm. And so, because it's a dopamine deficiency, right? So, so yeah, that was a very, um, I don't know, it, it, that experience kind of shook me at my core, you know? And I just remember on the, driving on the way home, um, just being like, what, you know? What just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I at that point, I feel like I was still like I in denial, be the queen of denial. <laughs> yeah. You you definitely did. Um, you yeah. were like, oh, it's probably not that. You know, it, it's not. I don't know for you as much as if as it was denial, as it was just like you just didn't want that to be true. 
you know? Yeah, those get mixed, though, because it's like, you know, especially with uh, nursing uh, medical background, you think, there's no way that's what this is. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, we need somebody else who knows what they're talking about. This is just like the ER situation. She's a Parkinson's doctor, a movement disorder specialist. So, of course, she's going to be, you know, every surgeon wants to do surgery. So, it's the same thing. So, you know, you can talk yourself into or out of pretty much anything. So, So I think maybe in your head, you went back to her and thought, well, maybe she's right and this doctor's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you bounce back and forth. You know, we had already been through a lot of, you know, emotional duress from the previous year and you know I thought well maybe it is just like extreme stress because there's like you know psychosomatic issues to where your your mind is so stressed that it comes out and something in your body and you know um but you know at one point I remember thinking oh I I really hope it's not a some kind of brain tumor yeah as well so the MRI and um and stuff because you know at that point we're I don't know. Until you have like the testing done, I didn't feel like you you weren't ready to you weren't ready to fully accept it until after we got confirmation. No. And I yeah. I get that. I I remember you being like a little confused about me because I think what happened to me in that moment was like I almost had like a sense of calm over me. I kind of it, I've heard people say that getting a diagnosis can be empowering because, and I think that's true because I think that when, and now I, it wasn't a full, a fully, you know, diagnosis yeah, backed up by the, workup, yeah. by the, the test yet, but there was still something empowering to me about knowing what, what the heck was wrong with me, you know, like, because like, that's just how I am. It's like, I need to know, just tell me what the problem is. Just tell me how bad it is. Just give it to me straight. Mm-hmm. And then I can figure out how to go forward from there. But I don't like the the sort of like not knowing. I don't like the meandering and wondering and, and I hope it's not this or I hope it's that or I hope it's not that. I I, I just tell me what the heck it is. Tell me what I'm dealing with attack and it, I can yeah. figure out how to, how to get. Yeah, but you know, on the same token, you have like one neurologist in one setting telling you there's absolutely no way. And then you go to another person in a different setting who's like, this is what it is. So it's like you're, you've been given this medical professional opinions by two people of the same, you know, discipline. You're like, I don't know what to believe at this point. So I just feel super grateful for, you know, everything happens. Like people put, you know, I feel like God puts people in your life for certain reason and for like such a time that you can like step up and do the role that you're supposed to do you know that might happen like in, on various levels you know throughout your life and stuff but I feel like I was in a spot you know becoming into a spot where this transitioning you know had been out of the hospital towards you know available to start thinking about you know your care and your needs and in a different way you know because you're a strong person, like a, you're an Iron Man, you know, like I don't think of you as, you know, someone who needs help or medical help, you know. Yeah, but all of a sudden, you know, after <clears throat> that experience, all of that came into question was, okay, um, what now? Like, am I going to be ever, am I ever going to get to do another triathlon? Um, am I ever going to ride, you know, be able to ride my bike? Again? I mean, I knew I could do it that day, but I just didn't know how long I was going to be able to do that. And that was terrifying to me just to think that I could be losing all of my physical abilities 
you know, that it was going to get taken from me. And so I, I was very fearful. I had, I had a lot of fear um, during that time. And I think that fear obviously manifests itself through different ways through you emotionally and stuff. And, you know, to the point where I'm not somebody that typically struggles with anxiety or having like panic attacks or anything like that. But I was so messed up during that time period. Like I could not, we, we showed up for, for our, that MRI appointment and I, I wouldn't get in there. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get in it. Cause I was like, I can't, I just can't do it. You're going to have to, you're going to have to sedate me. Mm-hmm. And I've done an MRI before and I've never, I've gone through stuff like that before and I haven't needed that. So something changed about me. You know, I think I became someone who was sort of driven by fear a lot and that was really affecting me in lot, lots of different ways. But, you know, so we ended up having to reschedule that and they had to give me Valium. Um, so I was able to get through the MRI and then the DAT scan. Did did they sedate me for that? I can't remember. Um, I, I don't think so. No. That was a horrible experience. I'll yeah. just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're, if you're at all like claustrophobic or anything like that, then you're absolutely going to hate that experience because at one point that machine was like, I could feel it touching my nose. Mm. I could feel it touching me. Well, and you're supposed to be like still. And, and I was strapped leg down. Is like shaking like crazy. I, I remember yeah. one point I had to go in there and. You had to hold like my leg lay down. on your legs yeah. in the scanner. Yeah. And like I was an emotional mess during that whole thing. And like even the, the radiologist was like coming to try to comfort me. Because at one point I was like, you got to get me out of this thing. I yeah. can't, like, I can't stay here. Like, yeah. I was like, well, it's a freaking long experience because they do the tracer and then they do the, yeah. you know, so you have to sit there and uh, take yeah. some time. So you're, you're not, the whole time you're like anticipating what's going to happen next and you're, yeah. you know, you can't leave, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so where do you, where do you think? I was, I, I was, I couldn't remember like what, what conversations did we have with the kids? about this at this point. I mean, I know they knew that I was going to get tests done, but what did they, do you remember? Not, not specifically. I just remember, you know, when we both went to that ER visit and my parents came over and watched them and I I don't know, I don't remember really like sitting down and telling is well, especially not the younger two, because this was like two years ago and the little one was three and then the middle one is 10 now, so he was only eight. But, you know, our oldest is like, uh, he won the Most Curious Kid Award in uh, kindergarten. Can't get anything past him. <laughs> he does not miss a beat. So he, I feel like we, you know. Said, we told him more. Yeah. But we, we didn't try to hide anything from them. I think we were just like maybe really vague. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, we didn't know any, we didn't know what to tell them, honestly, at that well, point. Well, yeah. It's just, I think, I feel like he asked something to do with why is dad's leg shaking or, you know, yeah, something like that to that effect. But, but I don't think that they, they weren't as worried about it as we were because they didn't know what the possibilities were, you yeah. know. Nobody sat down with them and said, look, here's, if your dad has Parkinson's, here's what might happen well, to right. him. right. That you could tell them, oh, this is the diagnosis, what they're testing you for, but it has no meaning to them. Right. They don't have any background or foundation. And, right. you know, they, they don't think, oh, old man in a wheelchair who can't walk anymore. And they were already, like, super anxious in general, like everybody else in the world because of COVID and everything else going on. So, okay, well, I think that's a good place for us to stop um, for this 
um, episode, and then we can pick up next time and kind of pick up with the actual for real diagnosis uh, and talk about what that was like. Um, I'll give you a hint. It was totally a COVID-era diagnosis. <laughs> I'm going to leave you on with a cliffhanger on that one. Um, and then, yeah, we can talk about what the process was like once we had that diagnosis and trying to figure it out from there and what, what we were going to do and, and figuring out medicine and figuring out lifestyle, like mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and one of... A big part of my story is as I go forward, I'm just, you know, going to, to be honest with you, you guys about is I, it took me a bit to find the right doctor, you know? Um, and so we're, we're going to definitely talk more about that, but going back to what your, your, um, thing was earlier about being your own advocate, I think, um, if you, or anybody you know or love is experiencing anything that's unusual and has to go through a, a process of getting a diagnosis, like, yeah, that's super important that you advocate for yourself and get a second opinion yeah. or a third opinion or a fourth opinion. Well, just keep you know. pushing. Like, if there's something that doesn't sit right with you or you don't understand, like, ask the questions, you know. Yeah. Do, you have to do your homework. You can't just put your life in other people's hands and expect them to take as good of care of you as you would, you know, yeah, um, or your family member. So, and you know, obviously, crisis mode is really hard, and we were in crisis mode for a long time. Um, but there were, I'll just, I just want to maybe end it with this and say that there were some silver linings to that. I think of being in crisis mode. Um, in particular, I think that our marriage, our relationship, like, grew stronger and we grew way closer together, like really quickly. Like it was almost amazing. It's not like we were, you know, apart, like far apart or weren't getting along mm-hmm. before that. Cause we had, we had a really good relationship before that, but there was definitely something that changed in our relationship mm-hmm. because of that. And it, it changed in a really positive way. Yeah. I would just say preoccupied with a lot of things around us. And then when something like that happens, you just get back to what's really important. Yeah. It, it, it just forces you to like focus on what's really important in life. And the other thing it focus, makes you focus on is today. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yeah. And and that's something that was new for me because I, I was the, the guy that was typically um, always thinking about the future and I was living in the future and I'm the, I was the one that wanted to skip all the steps and get to the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this experience put me in a place where I just literally had to go day to day. Like, how am I going to get through today? Yeah. And that went on for a long time. Yeah. So if that's you and you're experiencing that right now, um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, I can tell you. And uh, things can get better and you have to believe that. Um, yeah. So, well, Hey, I am so glad you're here with me doing this and I'm looking forward to having you with me again for the next couple of episodes. Um, again, next week we will, or next time we will talk to you guys more about the actual diagnosis and the aftermath, I guess you could say of that and our doctor search, I guess I would say. Um, so we appreciate you tuning in and we hope that you will tune in next time. But before you go, I want to make sure that you know about our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group already. 
Um, it's been going strong already for a couple weeks now. Um, it's called the Parkinson's Fight Club. And you can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash Parkinson's Fight Club. And if you would like to just email me directly and ask me questions or have any questions, concerns, um, advice, share whatever, your story, share, whatever, share your story with me, whatever you want to do, you can email me at jamie at the Parkinson's Fight Club.com. J-A-M-I-E. J-A-M-I-E. Yes, good. Maybe we'll be able to throw that up on the screen for you guys too. So if you're watching on YouTube, um, if you're listening on um, Apple or Spotify or whatever, I'm glad to have you as well. But we will periodically, we'll have some things to show you on the screen and whatnot. And I will be interviewing some people uh, in the future that you guys will really want to hear from, I think. So I'm excited. I'm excited about where this is going. I'm excited that we're actually doing it. So Thank you guys. See you next time.